Hi. The kings and the queens seem to have lost their old political sway over the world. But some of them still maintain a mysterious hold on our imagination. Queen Elizabeth II or Princess Diana are very good cases in point. These two members of the British royal family are world famous not only because of history, politics or economy, but also in consequence of their ubiquitous presence in arts and media. In today's episode of ISP, I will be talking with Professor Dorota Babilas about the ups and downs of the representations of the British monarchs in not-so-distant history. Our particular focus is popular culture, such as TV shows, films and musicals. Dorota Babilas is an assistant professor at the Institute of English Studies at the University of Warsaw. Her academic interests include British literature and culture of the 19th century, cultural representations of British monarchs, and the musical theatre. She's the author of two books in Polish, Victoria Znaczy Zwycięstwo, Kultura w oblicza brytyjskiej królowej, and Opera Paryska Pale Gagnie. Also, she's co-editor of two books of essays and academic editor of the new translation of Gaston Leroux's 1910 novel, The Phantom of the Opera into Polish. This is ISP, the official Institute of English Studies podcast channel. My name is Bartosz Lutostański. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello, Dorota. How are you? Fine, thank you. Um, okay, today we have a very, very important subject for all British cultural students, uh, which is the um, um, the British monarchy and its relation and types of representation in art and culture. Uh, before we delve into more contemporary and specific details of um, these representations, I would like you to uh, very briefly and succinctly trace the evolution over the last decades and possibly centuries of how the uh, this representation of British monarchy, especially the royal family and uh, king or queen, um, so how 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 the, the, these representations have evolved over the last couple of uh, centuries or decades okay it's a very interesting question and uh, it you. all depends how far back we want to move uh, with the beginning of the story uh, because of course um, yeah, britain has point. been a monarchy for centuries and uh, uh, there has been uh, um, some sort of uh, cultural treatment and representation of the monarchy as the institution the Uh, royal family, um, the individual monarchs, uh, either contemporary monarchs um, for uh, for the people discussing them or historical uh, kings and queens. But uh, I think that uh, it really gets interesting with the beginning of what we could call popular culture, right. um, which probably could be traced back to the 18th century, late 18th century, with, with the beginning of political caricature. Uh, so a very irreverent treatment of the um, of the royals. In this case, it would be the um, 
the Georgians, the later Georgians, the unfortunate King George the Third, who famously went mad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so he uh, he was uh, basically too ill to uh, perform his official functions. So yeah, the mad son, king. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mad king George. Uh, uh, who is now remembered also in the theater and film and, and he has been brought back. Um, but uh, his son, the future king, uh, George IV, um, served as Prince Regent. He was a very controversial character, ridiculed by the, um, by the contemporary uh, cartoonists as a spendthrift, as a womanizer, as a glutton uh, uh, man with uh, very... Um, Unbound passions, you might say, in different uh, areas. It wasn't uh, a nice euphemism. Uh, it wasn't a respectful way of uh, of um, treating this king. And then his uh, younger brother um, William the Fourth. Uh, also, the the situation continues. So when Victoria comes to the throne in uh, eighteen thirty seven. Uh, they are together called the Wicked Uncles, the immediate predecessors <laughs> of Queen Victoria. Uncles. And she is um, constructed as, mm-hmm. an, as a positive image, as, uh, uh, as a young savior, uh, a young right. uh, virginal queen. She was only 18 when she uh, came to the throne. So, um, and she was brought up away from the uh, from the royal court. So she had what we might now assume uh, to be closer to uh, the Victorian or the middle class um, mm-hmm. uh, type of upbringing and type of uh, type of worldview as well. Uh, then throughout her long reign, her record-breaking reign, Victoria is uh, what's been called by uh, by uh, one of the books referring to this uh, to this uh, period, the media monarch, the first mm-hmm. media monarch. Oh, right. There is an extensive coverage in Illustrated Press in photography. She's the first British monarch to be photographed, and this mm-hmm. is a new, exciting medium. So people actually buy photographs of the royal family. Uh, her image is used for all kinds of strange purposes, like advertising, especially <laughs> towards the end of her reign and during the, uh, the jubilees, the, uh, the 50 uh, years uh, anniversary in the 80s and 90, and then um, 60 years anniversary in the, in the 90s, the Diamond Excuse Jubilee. Me. So, so uh-huh. what, what was her image used to advertise sorry a kind of uh, a everything digressive. Okay. actually okay. everything there was no there was no limitation okay. i don't think anyone tried anything um openly offensive mm-hmm. but okay. you might find um, domestic products like i know cleaning agents and really? uh, foods alcohol oh. um bikes bicycles <laughs> Um, I don't know, cooking ovens. Wow, so things that's that astounding. Victoria would never really use, but um, her <laughs> face, usually okay. borrowed from the official okay. photographic portraiture, was okay, okay. used to give some sort of quality and gravity to the product. Wow. So, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. This is, okay, okay. So what, what, what happened next uh, in, the, in, the, in the 20th century? This is very interesting because the... Um, the death of Queen Victoria in 1901 coincides with the beginning of the 20th century and yeah. all the problems that uh, that occurred, including the two world wars. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, but also great continuing, but, but very significant social changes, changes in, the, in um, mentality, in the worldview, and continuing uh, progress of the new media. So towards the end of her life, Victoria was, um, uh, was filmed. We have some very early film material of Victoria, um, usually um, Fascinating. enjoying uh, leisure time in her private residences in Balmoral, uh, particularly in Scotland. Uh, her uh, funeral was filmed as well. This is one of the earliest film material showing an event from the from the royal family, and then, of course, um, the medium of um, of film dominates the representation, uh, which is uh, uh, which is uh, interesting because uh, uh, these uh, representations also serve different purposes. All right, sure. So Victoria and the royal family could be either uh, glorified; they could be used as uh, a focus of national unity, uh, as a very patriotic imagery, especially um, in the interwar period, uh, before the outbreak of the Second World War, there are quite a few um, films, um, cinema production made um, referring to historical monarchs, including Victoria, but also Elizabeth I. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the threat of foreign invasion either uh, the Spanish Armada or the, uh, the threat of uh, Napoleon's mm -hmm. invasion yeah. at the time before the outbreak of the, of the Second World War uh, is brought back and uh, um, the image of um, the royal family, of the monarch as the focus of patriotism and, uh, and national unity. But then again, uh, a different uh, historical moments and mm. um, different, uh, um, let's say, uh, dominant worldview, uh, the royal family <clears throat> could be could be ridiculed. Like in the late 60s and the 70s, by the hippies, Victoria becomes uh, um, an object of ridicule, kind of grumpy old lady in, in black, um, okay. saying we are not amused all the time, <laughs> which she probably never said in real life, but... Uh -huh. Um, this becomes the most famous quote. I kind of a her. slogan, right? Of, of the, of yeah, the absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like most people, when they uh, when they were asked, like, what's their first impression? What's their first uh, association with Queen Victoria? At that time, basing on uh, um, films and the early television mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. it would be the grumpy old lady saying, uh, saying, "We are not amused." Uh -huh. Kind of anti-royal <clears throat> sentiment, right? Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely, and um, this basically continues mm -hmm. with the historical monarchs, including Victoria, and the uh, contemporary royal family. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, the onslaught of uh, of the paparazzi, of the tabloid press. Mm, yeah. uh, yeah. Uh, actually, um, being very invasive and uh, and irreverent towards uh, the royal family, notably not the queen herself, not not mm -hmm. Elizabeth II. Usually, mm -hmm. there was a kind of moratorium on mm -hmm. uh, on um, <clears throat> criticizing the queen mm -hmm. uh, openly, but mm -hmm. the other royals, 
fair game for everyone. <laughs> and I guess this this continues. Actually, Victoria um, has been um, enjoying a kind of uh, renewed positive uh, okay. reappreciation of her of her um as a character mm -hmm. in uh, in the films either showing her as a young woman as a, as a princess on mm -hmm. the verge of becoming the queen there was the uh, the feature film the young victoria two years ago there was an itv series called victoria <clears throat> three or four um seasons uh, mm -hmm. now showing victoria in a very positive uh, light as a relatable young woman mm -hmm. All right. um, but also in her later years there were two great movies with judy dench playing the queen right. yes, uh, exactly. as a widow so first uh, mrs brown her uh, friendship and supposed affair with a scottish servant called uh, john brown uh, and then a few years ago uh, the film uh, called victoria and abdul also based on a, on a uh, true story, at least partially true story, of another important friendship in her life. Again with the servant, this time a young man coming from India mm -hmm. after Victoria was, uh, was given the title of the Empress of India. So um, Victoria is really appreciated, but if you are interested in what happens to the Windsors, they are ridiculed again. There's been the series called The Windsors, and mm -hmm. quite recently there was this very irreverent uh, um, cartoon uh, series called The Prince, mm -hmm. in which the arch villain of the royal family is the baby prince George. <laughs> so the this this the preschooler he's he's shown as a preschooler then, um, uh, the son of uh, of uh, Prince William and uh, and uh, Kate Middleton. So um, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, excellent and fascinating. Let's zoom um, uh, in on the uh, more contemporary. Uh, representations of uh, the monarchy. So I'm thinking in particular of the Netflix uh, hit show The Crown um, and also um, this uh, new uh, wave of uh, biopics of uh, Princess Diana. Basically, what what do you think about the representation of, of, uh, of the monarchs in these shows or any other that come to your mind that have been produced in uh, recent uh, years? Mm -hmm. There's been quite a few shows uh, um, fictionalizing the uh, the life of the contemporary uh, royal family, the Windsors, including the Queen. Uh, there was um, a few years ago there was this film, The Queen, with Helen Mirren playing uh, the role of the Queen, and also centered on the um, crisis surrounding the, um, the death of Princess Diana and the yeah. response from the, uh, from the royal uh, court. But uh, in the recent years, or, or some of this is really this year, uh, there seems to be a, a renewed focus on the uh, princess herself, Princess Diana, probably corresponding to the 20 years anniversary of her tragic death. Um, I would say maybe the crown as a um, project is some sort of a, um, of a commemoration of the Queen, Queen Elizabeth II, 
on the year of uh, or surrounding the years of uh, of her diamond jubilee of mm-hmm. her 60th anniversary so uh, the idea is to make her more approachable and more relatable and generally a, a character with whom the the viewers the international viewers of course because we are living in globalized society and Netflix is definitely a global corporation uh, providing entertainment to uh, to a worldwide audience so um, to make the queen who is uh, renowned for her elusiveness, for her um, rather shy attitude towards the media, uh, avoidance of making strong opinions public or generally uh, rather um, rather difficult character for the entertainment industry into a more relatable heroine. Uh, but uh, in the recent fourth um, season, of uh, of uh, the crown, it's really Diana that starts to take center stage, and she is yeah. she's presented as a very sympathetic character. Uh, the actor who plays her, um, called Emma Corrin, she she plays her in a very um, sympathetic way as an innocent, vulnerable young woman full of uh, yeah, good intentions. And uh, very relatable to the modern audience, also by her likes and dislikes, by her taste, mm-hmm. her yeah. taste in uh, music. She it, much is made of the fact that she likes uh, popular music, rock music. She That's likes right, musical yeah. theater uh, rather than, let's say, classical music and then the old style style high culture, highbrow culture that uh, has been associated with. Um, royalty and aristocracy uh, for for a long time. Uh, so she is brought back as a sympathetic character, perhaps putting some of the other royals, especially Prince Charles and his yeah. current wife Camilla, um, in a negative light. And this is something that's um, evidently been explored by popular culture now in at least two very recent productions. One is um, the, uh, the film version of, uh, of um, an episode of Diana's uh, life uh, in the film called Spencer, so using the maiden name of, uh, of uh, Diana. Um, which which, which speaks volume, right? That she's Absolutely, the princess, yes. That she's the Spencer. Mm-hmm. There, is a, there is a moment, it's not a big spoiler, but there is a moment in the film uh, when she uses this surname uh, to uh, actually order food in a fast food um, <laughs> shop, in a fast food uh, chain. So she is a... Almost a kind of working class hero, although, of course, she was not working class. She was from an aristocratic background. But this is kind of pushed to the uh, to the side. She's made into a relatable um, woman, um, trapped in a loveless marriage, uh, struggling, especially in this film, uh, directed by Pablo Lorraine, and uh, only premiered this year, so it's 2021. Uh, production. There is a lot of symbolism. There is a lot of um, um, parallels made between Diana and uh, an earlier, very mistreated 
uh, monarch or royal uh, Anne Boleyn. Right. She um, again. This is this is not a huge spoiler, but uh, she seems to be uh, fascinated with Anne Boleyn, with her tragic ending, uh, with uh, hmm. the way that she was um, unhappy in her own marriage to to King um, Henry VIII, uh, and there are parallels made uh, between these two very distant uh, historically. Uh, royal characters. So there is a kind of psychologizing mm-hmm. uh, attempt of, of uh, seeing Diana um, as an unhappy woman, a woman on the verge of a nervous breakdown, mm-hmm. a woman yeah. uh, plagued by um, mental health issues, eating disorders yes, and, right. and such problems, which are also more... Um, openly discussed nowadays than they were in uh, in uh, the 80s uh, mm-hmm. when uh, in the early 90s when uh, when this uh, this uh, story takes place and there is another production uh, which is viewable on Netflix which is actually a recorded theater performance from uh, Broadway so a musical uh, show a musical um, wow. entitled, okay. a musical Diana the musical And it's been quite notorious, and many people uh, talk about it uh, as a kind of the worst musical ever made and (laughs) their favorite hate watch. Really? So, um, okay. It is not good uh, (laughs) if if you are into, uh, let's say, uh, musicals with. uh, interesting music and uh, meaningful lyrics. I would mm-hmm. say that the music is very generic, although the man who wrote it is actually the keyboard player of Bon Jovi. <laughs> so you might expect some I know, rock vibes or something. <laughs> okay. Not much is there okay. uh, in terms of music itself. In terms of the lyrics, it's even worse, <laughs> I'm sorry to say. There are some, well, unless you are uh, really into hate watching and you want to just <laughs> laugh at the lyrics, something like Prince Charles uh, saying to Diana, sorry for the spoiler, it's not a major spoiler, we know they had two children together. Uh, so he says, um, darling, I'm holding my son, so let me say jolly well done. <laughs> this kind of lyrics. Uh, and oh, right. uh, then Diana yeah, making rich, an yeah. open reference to the fact that her younger son, Prince Harry, um, has ginger hair. <laughs> like making it a point that it's a ginger-haired <laughs> baby. Right. Um, yep. Uh, but what is interesting, uh, well, it, it's not bad in terms of staging. Like, uh, the staging is flawless. The staging is really good. The cast are good. Uh, you kind of feel sorry for them. And uh, <laughs> I wouldn't like to, uh, to, to, to roast the cast because they are, they are trying and they are good. And, uh, especially, yeah, especially some elements of, of stage direction, like, like uh, very fast costume changes. Mm-hmm. There, much is made of the fact that Diana was a fashion icon and, and yeah, yeah, uh, um, right. her dresses, uh, they tried to recreate some of the, uh, some of the iconic dresses of Diana for the show. And there are the, the immediate, very, very fast uh, costume changes which make you like go, wow, how did they do it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I found most interesting is actually on the meta level. Ooh, uh, so it's, level. it's the show uh, for clearly for the American audience. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they make some sort of nods 
toward okay. the American audience on Broadway, like when um, Diana and Charles visit Wales, there is a big banner on the stage saying Wales. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah. Uh, but uh, for me, when I watched it, um, gradually, like increasingly, it became a show about the cultural phenomenon of Diana and the... Okay. Uh, uh, the culture of perception of Diana as an icon, as a, as a kind of international celebrity, international star, mm-hmm. um, rather than uh, um, a royal or, or, or even a, a real woman that she was. Yeah. So, um, so I guess so it's, it's, it's an kind of works on this kind of mm-hmm. metacultural slash postmodernist slash. Uh, kitschy way, right? Yes, it's, it's definitely kitschy. We might argue whether or not it's deliberate, whether mm-hmm. it's kind of yeah. proper yeah. camp. Like they, they are aware of the fact that it's all tacky, yeah, and okay. they, they go for it. Or is it just, uh, <laughs> let's say, the lack of certain um, abilities uh, on the <laughs> yeah. on the on the part of the creative team? But uh, but. Uh, I think it works on the metal level much better than on a kind of straightforward yeah. uh, um, musical um, stage. All right. Uh, Lota, thank you very much. Uh, um, I have uh, tons of questions to ask you. Um, but uh, I, I'm sorry to say we have kind of run out of our time uh, for this conversation. Thank you very much for finding You're some welcome. time to meet up with me. Um, Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, I'm afraid we must break off here. I still have a dozen questions or so that I'd love to ask Dorota Babilas. For example, what about the ambivalent and paradoxical relationship of the British royal family with the British media? Who uses whom here? At any rate, if you want to learn some more about the historical representations of the British monarchs, Victoria means victory, or Victoria znaczy zwycięstwo by Dorota Babilas is a good starting point. My huge thanks to my guest, Professor Babilas, for finding some time to meet and talk with me, Robert Zmijewski for his technical support, my friends from FCASI for letting me use their song in the programs, and last but not least, my thanks to you for listening. Have a very good day. Bye-bye.